Today's show is brought to you by WeTheCreated.com. WeTheCreated is a full-service design house ready to work to make your web design, graphic work, audio, or video production come to life. For a free price quote, visit www.wethecreated.com or call them at 512-777-1463. Again, that's 512-777-1463. Entertaining shows with content that spreads information and sparks discourse throughout the community. This is the Pearl Media Network. Welcome to the Kyle Life Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to showcasing what makes Kyle, Texas unique. We interview local business owners, politicians, and talk with everyday residents to further promote our beautiful city. This podcast is brought to you by KyleLife.com and is proudly part of the Pearl Media Network. We thank you for tuning in today. Now sit back and enjoy the show. Hey guys, Joshua here with Kyle Life, and today we're recording from the Pearl Media Network Studios located in West Kyle. Joining me for this episode is Pete Oppel, who you all may know as the man behind the Kyle Texas Report, a column that covers city government issues. Pete, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and you know, you actually, you have not been here too terribly long in the area, but you have already caused a lot of buzz from your <laughs> writing. Let's uh, let's start this off by having you tell us more about yourself, your professional background, what brought you to Kyle, and then what prompted the Kyle Texas Report. Well, I have been in one form or another a newspaper man reporter all my life. Uh, my first professional job, uh, in fact, I was hired uh, about six months before I graduated from uh, the University of Texas at Austin with a degree in journalism. Oh, okay. I uh, was with UPI. Back when UPI was a growing organization, it was still owned by Scripps Howard. And so I went to Dallas uh, to go to work for UPI. Uh, while there, covered a number of presidential uh, elections, all the Apollo uh, uh, shots and everything like that. Uh, and then uh, after doing that for about eight years, I was asked by an old college roommate uh, or friend uh, to come to work at the Dallas Morning News. So I went from my UPI to the Dallas Morning News. Is that a step up? Uh, it was, well, it depends on how you look at yeah. it. Um, he offered me a $125 a week pay cut to go work for the Dallas Morning News. But what came with it was I was going to be the first person in Texas to write about popular music for a daily newspaper. And that, that was your only assignment? That, right? that was it, to write about popular music. Oh, and I had had a reputation of knowing about music, right? I, I had done a lot of music articles uh, with UPI. Uh, and he knew about that, so he had just taken over as entertainment editor and wanted to attract younger readers to the morning news, so he asked me to come over and do that. Uh, I did that for about eight years, and then after that, I joined with uh, two brilliant individuals uh, by the name of Ken Fairchild and Lisa LeMaster in a media consulting company. And what we did was we traveled all over the world teaching people how to deal with the media, how to answer questions from the media. With y'all's experience, it just made yes. sense to do that. Yeah, we and both of them had been in uh, electronic media, so I brought the print media background into it. And uh, uh, I'd love to do one more to make it an even number, but for example, I got people ready for 49 different appearances on 60 Minutes. Really? Uh, yeah, so, uh, and not one of them turned out badly. 
Uh, That's a good feather in the cab. Yeah, it was it was fun. Um, But we traveled all over the world. Basically, we called. uh, We did a one day course, and we basically called it uh, how to answer questions. (laughs) Very straightforward. (laughs) That's right. So, what was the course about? (laughs) Uh, uh, But it dealt, and it mainly the emphasis was on how to answer questions from the media. But Texas Instruments uh, employed us to go around teaching that course because they said the toughest questions uh, their people get is from their customers. And they wanted their salespeople to be answered oh. the able to answer the tough questions from their customers. That makes sense. So, uh, uh, but anyway, then after I did that, um, I put all of that together uh, when I became the public information officer for the city of Dallas. So back to I mean, you were already in Dallas. Yes. With that, even with that firm. Yes, the and, firm and, was based in Dallas. And then you just moved into this position. Yes. Well, the uh, uh, Ken and Lisa and I all kind of decided to go our separate ways or right around the beginning of 2000. And uh, so uh, at that point, uh, I went to the city of Dallas and became the public information officer for the city of Dallas. Um, and then um, uh, right around last year, about uh, early fall last year, I was talking to my son who lived in Austin. And I made the commitment that, uh, okay, I'm going to retire. <laughs> and uh, that's awesome that you could just make that decision. well and, and for a while i didn't know if i could to be honest with you on a personal note uh my mother battled alzheimer's for about 13 years oh. and there's no insurance for that right no so um i paid for all of her treatment now when i, when I started out it wasn't so bad it was costing me about 11 1200 dollars a month mm-hmm. but by the time she died about 13 years later it was costing me uh close to five thousand dollars a month uh, that ate up all my retirement, all my savings, everything. As it would with anybody. So, yeah. so I did not know if I was ever really going to get a chance to retire, ever. Uh, but then um, I, I sat down with my son uh, early last fall. Uh, we started putting our financial things, uh, my financial things in order. And I said, well, I probably couldn't retire in Austin. Proper. <laughs> yes. But I could find some place close. And I wanted to come down here because my son and my granddaughter live in Austin. And I wanted to be closer to them. So uh, I decided to retire. And I knew when it, the same day I made that decision, I decided wherever I retire to, I am not going to be just a bump on the log. <laughs> I still want to keep active doing things. And, and I had written a blog in uh, Dallas. I still keep up. I followed, uh, yeah. Yes, the Dallas Observer called it the uh, best blog in the city of Dallas uh, yep. five years ago. <laughs> and uh, so um, I decided I was going to do a blog on city government, wherever, wherever it was that I went to. And so I made that decision even before I actually decided that Kyle was the place I was going to move to. Is it Was it a decision, uh, again, to keep you from falling into apathy or to keep your writing sharp or all of the above? Or? Uh, uh, not to keep my writing sharp. It was basically... I have to stay busy. I have to stay. I'd be doing something. I, you know, I have a hard time just sitting back, relaxing. My pops, he's not, he's, he's about to be retired or he eligible rather. But, uh, he says the same thing. We're like re- retirement. He's going to have to find something to do. Yeah. And I'm, and I don't play golf. I, in fact, I tried it one time and I came to the conclusion. Um, if countries are really in a serious drought, all they need to do is relieve it, is to bring me over there with a set of golf clubs. I'll find water. You'll find I'll find water. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, so you, we did give an exact time frame, but I know I'll interject it. Um, this, October was official move-in for you, yes, right? October yes. of 2014. Right. 
and your first uh, council session or whatever you covered was October of 2014? Yes, it was uh, about a week later. It was either council session or a planning and zoning session. And that was the birth of what we know now as the Kyle Texas Report, mm-hmm. which it. is Kyle the thekylethexasreport.blogspot.com. Right, exactly. And, and you were generous enough to let us republish <laughs> your articles as well, as well. And that's what I want to get into because um, you, you see the feedback. I know you're, you're able to see it. What... Uh, let's talk about this. You're a newcomer to the area still, even just, you know, the handful of months you've been here. What are some things you've observed uh, about city leadership, about maybe uh, voter participation, or what are some of the things that were obviously going to be very different from your experience in Dallas, but how different are we from your experience in either writing on government issues or living in, in various uh, municipalities? Well, it obviously, um, being a smaller town, the government is less complex. There's a lot less different offices and departments that they need to have uh, in a larger city. You know, it's really too early for me to make a definitive judgment on city leadership. That's good. Um, you know, for the most part, I think it's in uh, good hands. Um, I must say, I will admit, after going to the last candidate debate, uh, I was a little worried about uh, our future. However, um, I have now completed uh, conversations, about hour-long conversations, with each of the people running for city council. I'm going to be publishing on the blog uh, uh, fairly soon, uh, and that is giving me renewed hope. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, the uh, as far as the government goes, uh, you know, I it's a lot more casual. It's, it's, I was mentioning it to a friend of mine uh, in Dallas. I said, uh, you won't believe it. People, city council people come to the council meeting dressed in jeans. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, I, I mean, this area is all I really know in my uh, short adult life so far. Is that, uh, I guess you would never see that in, in the Dallas. Oh, no. Suit and ties only. Um, smart. If you're going to city council meeting, city council people will uh, always be dressed in suit and ties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and the women in, in, uh, uh, usually uh, nice uh, tailored pantsuits or, uh, you know, other types of suits. Yeah. Uh, your articles, too. What I what I love about your writing style, um, I know your theme overall is, you know, covering what you're attending, which happens to be like council sessions, the, mm-hmm. the charter commission, all those things. But you you really you just pick the theme of your of your story as you're there, right? Like you don't go, like, that's what I love about it. You don't go in with the intention of, man, I'm going to hope to write about this specific thing on it as much as you can tell in your writing that you are just an observer and then you're writing down what you observe. Yeah. And and basically uh, it, it it helps a lot when I see what is the topic that causes the most debate. Uh-huh. and the most uh, feedback and everything else. So I said, okay, if they're talking this much about it, it must be newsworthy. And then I also put myself, trying to put myself in the place of the average citizen. What is it that they're going to care about? What is really going on that's most going to affect their daily life? Right. And so I try to concentrate on that. You know, the replatting of a piece of land and far northwest Kyle really isn't going to affect a whole lot of people. No. Uh, but uh, uh, an adjustment to the property tax will, uh, selling the bonds uh, will, uh, the road constructions will, uh, whether we have uh, new and uh, maybe fewer billboards you know, in the city will. So those 
most of the things that I write about, I try to put myself in the place of, okay, if I was just the average citizen, what is it that I would most be concerned about? In your opinion, and this is based off some feedback is where I'm leading with this question, do you, uh, coming from a bigger city and from wherever else you may have lived in your life, how is Kyle... Uh, leadership overall in getting the information out there or at least making it accessible to allow people to come give their input how how would you rate them on a scale and you can make up whatever scale you want right now i would consider it low and i will tell you why um, except for uh, Councilwoman Samantha Bellows, who has a, a, a coffee session yep. on Saturdays uh, with constituents, I don't see that much of people going out and trying to connect with constituents. Uh, in Dallas, um, uh, council people had uh, all the time what is what they just called town hall meetings, where they would, uh, you know, the old Mickey Rooney, Judy Garland line, let's run a barn, run out of barn, and put on a show. They would uh, <laughs> rent something out a school cafeteria or a library or something and they would send out postcards they had mailing list of everyone uh, uh, in their communities they would send out emails and postcards to everybody and say come on we're going to meet i'm going to have the police chief here or i'm going to have the head of public works that you could ask questions of them as well and you know let me hear what's on your mind um, and they did this maybe once every three or four months. Uh, right after the city manager announced uh, uh, his or her proposed budget, uh, one of my jobs as a public information officer, the day that budget was sent out to city council people, was to make a slideshow. And what was done with this slideshow is each city council person scheduled one, at least one, some of them had three or four, budget town hall meetings mm-hmm. where someone, uh, a city manager or an assistant city manager or the CFO would come and, and present this slide presentation to people. And then the constituents could sit there and ask questions about the budget. Why is this in the budget? Wait a minute. We think more money should be spent on this and less on this. And the city council person was there to hear all that. So when they went back to the council meetings to discuss budget, they could say, let me tell you what I'm hearing from my constituents, what they really want. I I mentioned that to some people here, and they went, well, that's kind of an interesting idea. never thought about <laughs> something, something like that before. So, you know, I think the idea of really reaching out to people, uh, there needs to be a lot more of it. How do you think you could get that kind of thing implemented? And because and I've been told or it's been uh, brought up to me before that, well, we need to compensate or make these full-time jobs for these leaders if we really want them to be involved. Do you do you agree with that sentiment that they need to be compensated a uh, living wage to be more interactive with the community? If you want it to be a full-time job, yeah, you got to pay them a full-time salary. I'm, I am not against that at all. Um, they uh, went from, during the time I was in Dallas, they transitioned from uh, paying people uh, $50 a meeting to now uh, paying them, uh, the city council people, I guess, now get close to $65,000 a year. Uh, the mayor gets probably around eighty. Um course he is so well off he donates all of that to a charity anyway okay but uh, uh the, now i'm not recommending that they pay that type of salary right to the people here it could be proportional but yes <laughs> if you want uh, a city council person that's going to devote full time to running a city and to me a job like that is practically a full-time job if it's going to be done correctly 
And let's turn the turn the page. Um, the other end of of all of this is obviously uh, the constituents, the the voters. They how they in turn react. Are you uh, again coming from your background and your experience to this area? Did anything surprise you about uh, voter engagement at the polls or in regards to the issues at various committee meetings? Like, what have you noticed about the residents of Kyle in regards to their interaction with their government? Uh, they really don't care. <laughs> that, that's uh, to be honest with you. That's the impression I have, and I will give you two examples. Uh, at the last city council meeting, they passed the, uh, the the final issuance of the bonds, uh, which is going to mean uh, probably between a ten and fourteen cent property tax hike uh, for everybody in the city. Uh, and they had a public hearing for people to come and talk about that. Not one single person showed up to that public hearing. Uh, this past Saturday, they had a public meeting of the Charter Review Commission. Uh, only two people. And that, now we're talking about rewriting the city's constitution, how you live, how you're governed. Um, and only two people showed up to that, and they really didn't have that many questions. They were just kind of curious about what's going on. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I have, I've been very disappointed uh, in, uh, in the reaction to people uh, about what's going on here. And I attribute that to um, maybe the fact that some of you, Kyle, as one, just a place where I spend the night. Right. You know, I, I like literally know, just, yes, the, I come, the, I work somewhere else all day long. I do on my the play weekends. somewhere else. Yes. I go out somewhere, take the kids somewhere else. This is just where I spend the night. So why should I care? Uh, I'm more interested and it affects me more what's going on in Austin or San Marcos or San Antonio than what's going on in here in Kyle. Um, so that's one of the, uh, the main reasons I give for that. Yeah. And what do you think could be done to change? Cause I know, we um we we've made efforts specifically Kyle Life in trying to uh, like the debates you know I'll help Judge Smith those uh, the forums that she'll run I'll help her to broadcast the audio and the video and whatnot and we peaked I think at fifteen whole viewers <laughs> of of watching it live I mean the download since then has has been in the three digits mm. but um, what what do you think could be done I mean we talked about how maybe. Um, making a full t if a council member is a full-time job compensating them like a full-time job what about uh, the reciprocating that needs to be done for the voter how do you think that we what could be done to get maybe more voter turnout at the polls or more interaction in committee sessions any of those things do you have any ideas yeah one of, one of the things that could be done to get more people to the polls is very simple uh first of all don't have a city council election every year I mean, it's just ridiculous. Uh, uh, <laughs> I've you, heard that before. You, you have voter fatigue. Uh, what I would do um, is change council terms to uh, two-year terms, uh, restrict them to four two-year terms, and uh, have every single council person run every two years. Uh, now, if you want to keep it three-year terms, I'm not going to bicker about that, but then have every single one run every three years. So you're creating that excitement by having them all run at the same time. Second, I would move the election from May to November. More people turn out in November elections than they do in May elections. As a matter of fact, Austin experienced that. In their last city council election, they had a 78% spike in voter turnout. 78? 78. 78 
98% spike. And they attributed that almost exclusively to the fact that the election was held in November and not in May on the usual date. And that's, that's not common, though, for most cities. No, to, it's not. And uh, why, why, do you, why is that? I attribute it to ego. Uh, <laughs> the cities are, know that they are going to be buried at the bottom of the ballot. They think they're going to be ignored. But, you know, there's an old expression, all politics is local. I mean, if you go out and start talking about the issues and people start, you know, um, really grabbing the attention of people and the fact that you would be electing all six council members at one time, uh, uh, I think it was going to generate that interest. The other thing it's going to do is save money. You know, elections aren't cheap. No. They cost. And so why not share the cost of that election with a number of other entities that are having the election on the same day? Then you can use that money to save maybe to fill a pothole somewhere. Right. Uh, I was driving down, where was it? Opal Road. Oh. Have you driven Opal Road uh, <laughs> recently? I, I drove down that. I mean, that's a road that's in need of uh, attention. Yeah. Um, there are some other ones. There is a road, I, I don't know if it's Marketplace uh, the one by Burleson? It's the one in back of the HEB that goes uh, from behind the HEB, kind of parallels 35 all the way up. There's that one-lane bridge there. Yes. Uh, that road for... I think that's Burleson you're referring to, is it not? I don't know. It's on the uh, uh, north side of uh, Kyle Parkway. 1646. Oh, pardon me. Yes. Behind Sorry. the HEB. Yes. Uh, there's, a, there's a used car lot, and it starts yes. right there and goes north. Pardon me. Yeah. Like if 35. you're going towards Evo, the yes. The movie. Yes. 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 Uh, uh, that road, until it looks like it maybe is taken over by the county, is in really awful shape. Maybe they could use some of the money that they save from having uh, so many elections to, uh, to put into that road. Yeah, and I want to go back to something you said about ego. Uh, something I, I would add to that, if you're already being ignored in May, which I, we would, could call these elections being ignored, right? It's awful turnout, and I won't make up numbers because I didn't take the time to write them in front of me, but it's a very, very low percentage turnout. I'm sure you're familiar I, with Well, I'm not, I haven't seen an election yet, but I have heard, uh, and I am hearing People are telling me they will be surprised if a thousand people come out to the uh, May 9th city council elections, which I think is appalling. Considering we, well, our overall population is a little over like 33,000 ish, right? Give or take. And how many eligible voters could we assume are in that? Uh, oh, you would have to say at least 20, (laughs) at least 20. I I would go there too. Yeah. And so if we get to a thousand only, yeah. <laughs> not yeah. not a good percentage, is no, it? No, it's not at all. So so um let's say people listening and they like your ideas that you're saying, or you in general, what what can be done from here to try to implement those? They can go to the Charter Review Commission meetings. They meet uh, every other Tuesday night at City Hall, or they have some public meetings. On um, the last story I did about the uh Charter Review public uh uh meeting, I listed the dates so when the other public meetings are scheduled for. Uh, so if they want to find them, they can find them uh, and go to the Charter Review Commission and say, here are changes that uh, we honestly believe would be in the best interest of our city to make to this charter. And that's something it's really simple as that. And, and we talked about this before the show. That's something you personally are, are doing. Yeah, I, I, I feel very strongly about two things. Uh, one, uh, the the. the Short one first. There isn't a charter right now, a provision that there has to be a charter review every five years. To me, that's a waste of time. 
I would put at the beginning of that sentence where it says they have to have a charter review commission every five years at the discretion of the city council. Uh, because there may be some times when they don't need to. Everybody agrees, wait a minute, there's no changes that really need to be made to the charter, so why go to all the trouble of forming one? Right. But the main thing I think is necessary is every 10 years after the city receives its uh, 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 decennial census information, mm-hmm. uh, that that automatically should trigger the formation of a redistricting committee. Because we have single-member districts in the city, frankly, I would like to see more, but we have three of them right now. And by law, um, they should be equal in population. They should not uh, split up neighborhoods of interest. They should not dilute uh, the voting strength of any uh, uh, potential minorities. There are certain laws that they have to follow. And um, it's to me, it's important that a redistricting committee is formed every 10 years when the new census data becomes available to make sure that those uh, districts are abiding by the law and are giving every voter their fair, their fair shake. Yeah, being compliant. Yes. I am going to get this feedback because anytime we have, most of the time it's people who are already interested in being in office, but I inevitably there will be people listening and we're going to get either uh, comments on the actual podcast post or I'll get emails. Certainly that'll say, well, why doesn't Pete just run for office? Is that <laughs> something you I know you said you're retired, but yet yeah. you're still writing some phenomenal articles. So you're not retired from, from being active in that sense of your community is running for office. Something you, see in your future no no that that that, <laughs> that, <laughs> <absolutely was short. laughs> um, that takes a a quite a commitment right um frankly to be honest with you i wouldn't want to go through all the fundraising uh, stuff that would be required to do something like that i don't it is a lot of it is a full-time yeah, job is it, it like, is. You, like you said it is a lot of commitment and yeah. every time we have people in here candidates talking about it um you know they all mention you know i i'm up for the commitment because it is a commitment very much so and i admire him for uh, undertaking it uh, i view myself as kind of a curmudgeon that uh, views with disdain from the outside <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're good at right as, that's right as writers well before we wrap it up i do want to ask you um i know we already it was very short and sweet no you're not gonna run for office but what do you think the future of of your writing We'll take, I mean, just focusing on the blog, you have bigger pictures. And- no, I, I, you know, when I came here, this is what I wanted to do. I'm very happy doing it. Uh, the fact that uh, one or two people read the uh, posts that I write, I find very uh, uh, enjoyable. And the fact that I'm getting some feedback on it, um, it gives me a tremendous thrill. But, I, you know, I write it mainly to get it off my chest. Um, you know, that, that that's always been it. I wrote um, uh, for many years, like I said, with the Dallas Morning News. I interviewed some very, very interesting people. Um, I did, uh, if you, back five, ten years ago, if you ever Googled my name, what mostly would come up was the Pete Oppo, Bob Dylan interviews. I did a series of interviews. I traveled with Bob Dylan back in 1978 and did a series of interviews with him that I taped and everything like that. And 
people keep asking about them all the time. <laughs> I never saved anything I wrote. I never had a scrapbook. You know, I wasn't interested in that. I was always looking, okay, what's the next story that I need to write? That's interesting. Never thought about the past. Uh, well, now in the digital age, it is all saved. Yeah, right? it's, <laughs> it's all saved. Uh, but, um, you know, so I, I, you know, I never, I never thought about that. Uh, I never thought about awards or recognitions or anything like that. It's just always, okay, what's the next story on the horizon? Well, Pete, I, I really, truly thank you so much for coming over and doing well, this. It was a pleasure having, having you here, and, and I look forward to being able to help uh, promote your writings even more in the future. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate your help. And that will do it for this episode of the Kyle Life Podcast. If you haven't already checked out the Kyle Report, you can see all the articles on kylelife.com or subscribe directly to Pete's writings at the Kyle Texas Report. That's kyletxreport.blogspot.com. For KyleLife.com and the Pearl Media Network, I'm Joshua Steubing. Thank you for listening.